Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Hi, everyone. This is Shirley King, and we're here for another episode of When Women Speak. When Women Speak is sponsored by Life on Power in the brand, What If She Knew She Was Powerful? Today's episode, we have Dr. Fatima Williams. And again, I always promise that the guests for When Women Speak, speak directly to what we're talking about. And that is amplifying the voices of women, their careers, the workplace, life, business, relationships. When Women Speak amplifies the voices of women. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Fatima Williams, PhD, is an executive coach and a growth strategist. She equips leaders and organizations to align their vision and their strategy to achieve their next growth goal or pivot. Her professional development guidance has been featured in Essence Magazine, LMC TV New York, The Chronicle of Higher Education, Black Doctor in Scientific American. Dr. Fatima Williams is also the author of two books, Mm, The Professional Pathways Planner and be bold, launch your job search or career change with confidence. Dr. Williams holds a doctorate in cultural anthropology from Rutgers University, and she's a recipient of the University of Virginia Cultural Fluency Class Award. Dr. Fatima has lived abroad. She has lived in South America, Central America, and Southern Africa. Dr. Fatima has so much depthness to her that she's also the board member of the University of Virginia Alumni Association and Advisory Council Council and a member of the Zimmerilli Art Museum. She currently lives in Atlanta with her rescue dog, Ray. Welcome, Dr. Fatima, to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I cannot wait to jump into this discussion today. Oh, man, we appreciate you um, adding to this discussion and contributing to this discussion today. And we're going to jump right in. Dr. Fatima, what does it mean for you when you hear the statement, find her voice? Mm. You know, when I work with professional women, and this is whether it is clinical faculty members, SVPs of organizations, it doesn't matter. What I often hear is how to kind of present your voice at the leadership table. And this is with women who are already in roles of leadership. There are so many obstacles that can come up to actually having your voice heard at the table. And these aren't always antagonistic or intentionally so, right? But what has to happen is professional women are having to have the savvy and the support around them to be able to really make sure that their ideas are on the table, make sure that those ideas are presented well, and that those ideas travel appropriately throughout their organizations or their teams. And so for finding her voice, it really is, I think women already have the voice. It's just how do I position my voice in the right spaces, 
in front of the right people, and also with the right advocates and supporters. And so that's some of the things that we do when I'm working with, um, it, whether it's training or whether it's coaching, it is helping women to identify the key things that they want to say, and not just finding the confidence to say it, but the pathway and the strategy to be able to say it, right? So it's really finding her voice is about having the pathway, the strategy to be able to have your ideas heard and have them move forward up the pipeline in the ways that they need to be to make change. And that is such a brilliant response. The pathway in the strategy to have your voice move forward. And you talked about having savvy and support because we know it's not it's not always about that they don't know what to say. Right. It's always we know that they are there, they're invited there because they're supposed to be there that the contribution is needed, but the savvy and support, the savvy to be able to have the pathway and the strategy to say it in support. I often say that, you know, as we break glass ceilings in where people that look differently are invited in the room, let's be clear, we're human beings with biases. So when I'm used to being in a room with people that only look like me, and then they begin to invite other people in the room, without there being any um, pre-priming, that's what I call it. Hey, this is how we're going to diverse this contribution right now. And if all of us have biases, our experiences say, I'm comfortable with working with people that look like me and talk like me. So that support is needed prior to. We assume because we invited them there that everybody should be should accept them there. And it does it's not like they didn't accept them there. They're just not used to contributing with them in that room. Savvy and support. I love that. You know, I would also say sometimes, and this depends on field and it depends on training, but sometimes we as women have not been mentored in how to build the authentic relationships in the workplace that support us when we do speak, right? So that looks like the work that happens before the meeting happens, right? They can yeah. socialize your ideas to people who you know are either going to give you feedback that's not gonna be your yes person, or to also make sure that you do have some people who have either the social capital or other type of capital that can join you or amplify what you're saying, right? And so there's this work that has to be done. And I don't think that it is necessarily unique to us. I do think that women have a, a different kind of burden to do this, but it really is a, a process of building influence. Right? Mm -hmm. Everyone has to have a way to build influence and to persuade. It doesn't matter what level of organization you're at. You have to learn how to do this. And so it's as simple as, you know, making sure that you recognize that this has to be done. And then you can go learn the skills and ask in your organization, how does this work? Or even just observe, how does this work in your organization with those who are effective with having their ideas heard and not the ones who are effective because we see that people listen to them. Yes. But I mean effective because their words are heard. We all know people who ramshod through meetings and who talk over people or who mansplain. But what I'm talking about is people who model healthy ways of communication in the workplace and healthy ways of building influence. So it really is how can you take those um, observations that you have in your workplace and take that mentorship to help you to build that influence that you need to move your ideas forward more smoothly. Wonderful conversation, Dr. Fatima, building influence from someone who's 
had a healthy experience of building influence. Yes. And you know, yes. we don't get here and have this conversation. And I don't know if it'll, you know, we'll, we'll always be learning this and there'll always be something that we'll learn from this. But one of the ways that we learn and we create those strategies is that we've all had more than one, more than two and several voiceless experiences. Dr. Bethima, can you share when you had a voiceless experience and um and kind of share what you learned from that voiceless ex voiceless experience? You know, it's so interesting, Shirley, because I think sometimes my initial response to that question would almost likely be a time when someone else shut my voice down, right? That's kind of a likely response to that. But I will tell you what really comes to mind is ways of thinking limiting belief and a certain, I don't know that I would say complete lack of confidence, right? Cause that does not, that's never described me, mm -hmm. but sometimes lack of confidence in the seat that I'm sitting in, in the moment. In the moment. And so exactly, because I sit in many different seats and I'm, you know, I like to not be the smartest person in the room. And sometimes that can make you feel a little bit voiceless, not because anyone has shut you down, <laughs> but because, you know, you may just not be used to engaging in that way or engaging mm -hmm. in that kind of platform. And so when I think of places where I have felt voiceless, it is those spaces where I have had to kind of stretch beyond my comfort zone. And remember, oh, I'm called to this table because there's work I'm to do here, or there is something that I am contributing here. And so I don't need to um, hide what I know or hide who I am. Actually, the invitation alone is enough of an invitation for me to, to jump in and really be my full self. And so that's really when I think about voiceless moments. And they, they, for me, they have either been rooms I've been invited to or stages of my career when I've been in a pivot. Mm. And so what that looks like, because they're, they're destabilizing moments, right? Even when yeah. you're pivoting and you're moving forward, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a pivot back or a pivot below. Mm -hmm. But when you're moving in a space of pivot, there's, there's moments of uncertainty and lack of clarity. And mm -hmm. you can forget who you are. <laughs> you can forget your achievements. You can forget how amazing you are. You can forget all of the KPIs and all of the results because you're moving into a new space, right? But mm -hmm. I, I wanna say this because I, I want women to fear less about these pivots take them on. It's okay to not feel like the 100% you that you were in your last season. You're going to get there again, but you got to work through the pivot, work mm -hmm. through this promotion, right? Work through being who you are and showing up as who you are. And so that those are two areas where I have definitely felt voiceless is what am I doing now? Or I have new tasks and responsibilities that mm -hmm. I didn't have before. Yes. Right? I'm not really a rock star at this yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was a rock star back there at the last level, but I I haven't proven to myself yet that I'm a rock star in this or in maybe some of the tasks that are in this new role. And so I want to normalize that new levels also come with new 
um, expressions of who you are mm-hmm. and it's discovering those and it is also putting language to those. So it's okay when you're in that messy moment of the pivot, when you're not quite sure where your anchor is, your anchor is always in, I am here, I belong here, I am already gifted and talented to do everything that I've been called to do in this space. Use that as your anchor. Man, it. I, I, I hope everyone goes back and replays this last two seconds of what she just gave you. Man, she talked about pivot and that's one of my favorite words to talk about when we talk about careers and life and relationships and amplifying your voices because she just described it. Dr. Fatima just described it. When you're pivoting, think about that basketball term. You're looking for the person. You're looking for an opening. So because you're you're engaged in looking for that opening, you're not doing anything. So the pivot is supposed to feel not so comfortable. Yeah. Then Dr. Fatima, you you talked about that back there, I had a voice. And right here, I don't know how to do this so well. <laughs> my voice is kind of shaky. I'm gonna use it because yes. I'm here, but my voice is kind of shaky. I'm not used to a shaky voice. So it's not mm-hmm. you're not used to a shaky voice. Yeah. Mm. And what's so funny is we may not be used to the shaky voice, but what people see is, wow, I'm so glad she's here. Or wow, we've hired her and brought her in because we, we're ready for her to do this thing that she does, right? So sometimes that shaky voice is, like you said, it's internal. It's you feeling it, but the world doesn't always see that. The world sees you as wonderful as they saw you before they invite you in that room. They see you as a solution. That's what the world sees. And if you keep that right there in your gut, then you'll move with, with you'll move with your internal shakiness. Dr. Fatima, we've only had two questions that we've discussed, man, and this is fire. We are on fire. But I, I, love knew, it. I knew that when I invited you to the show. I love it. I love it. This is like a sneak preview into our behind the scenes conversations. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Ladies and gentlemen, we just can't record them, but it is a sneak preview. <laughs> so Dr. Dr. Fatima, when I was um, so I began this web series I, because I responded last year to a CW show for Women of Color Empowerment Institute about uh, women providing unequal time in, you know, in the workspace. But then it broadened for me because I thought about all of my years, you know, working in corporate America. And it wasn't always that, which is why I created this show. So my third question is, why should the voices of women and their values even matter? We need diversity in the workplace. And diversity looks like a lot of things. We, we often first start with diversity as an ethnic and racial diversity. And we also even think about it in terms of gender, right? But yeah. what I'm really interested in is diversity of thought. <laughs> it often happens that diversity of thought comes in the room because of different gendered experiences, Mm -hmm. different racial and ethnic experiences, different religious experiences, right? Mm -hmm. They expose us to things in the world and ways of thinking and perceiving and ways of approaching problems, right? Mm -hmm. And also approaching creativity. And so 
what I like to say is we're really, I, I want to broaden out what we're thinking about diversity. In organizations, we need diversity of thought. We don't need everyone thinking the same things and approaching problems the same way because you're going to have a blind spot in business if you do that. And so why women's voices need to be at the table and why their perspectives need to be at the table is because we need diversity of thought. And there's just some things that, you know, me as a woman of, you know, in my 40s is going to bring something in, who was born in an urban area and has traveled internationally is going to bring something different from someone who might even look like me but has a very different life experience than me. Mm -hmm. And so this is why we need women's voices at the table because we're gonna bring in a diversity of thought that otherwise may not be there should we not be there. And when you say diversity of thought, and when I think of diversity of thought, I think of diversity of strategy, diversity yes. of goals, and diversity of results. So yes. even not delivering the same results sometimes gets us two and three percent more than we have before because of that diversity of thought without that companies and organization we will have the capability of using the same strategy over and over again with different people attached to the strategy but it's the same thing because no one says what if mm -hmm. exactly and that's what business needs right now to have a competitive edge Everyone right now is in some form of a pivot. I don't care if it's the Fortune 500, you know, there is a line of business in there somewhere that needs to transform. Mm -hmm. There is a team that is transforming. There is a process that needs to be transformed. A nonprofit organization, philanthropy, everyone is responding to the environment that we live in. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's not just because of COVID, it's not just because of war, it's all of these things. It's the economic, um, you know, kind of the system that we're in right now and the economic moment that we're in. So ev all of us are having to respond, small, large, profit, nonprofit, doesn't matter. And so, what it looks like is we really at critical, we really are at a critical moment of needing diversity of thought. We need to see our blind spots in business if we're actually gonna be effective. And we need to see our blind spots in philanthropy and all these other areas if we are actually going to be effective and also to maximize the resources that our organizations have, right? So that's, that's why I, I am just a big proponent of, let's not just do diversity and look at it as you know, do we have enough headcount of people of color, women of color in this? But have we considered what these people truly bring to the table and how that can diversify our business, how it can strengthen our business? Absolutely. Wonderful thought. Mm. Diversity and philanthropy that brings to, and we don't even talk about that and how that supports our communities, how that and how that supports everything, education, um, our companies, et cetera. Thank you, Dr. Fatima. And so my next question, Dr. Fatima, I'm sure that you, if you hadn't already thought about it, that there are so many examples that you can share with us, but I'd like for you to share an experience with you leading with your voice. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that probably my strongest examples of me leading with my voice is the way I manage my personal time and my personal life. We want to often go straight to the work we do, how we show up, who we are as leaders, 
you know, the performance that we deliver for our employers or for our companies. But I will tell you, that is a house of cards. If you do not have your personal frameworks and your personal system for how you maintain yourself in spite of societal change, organizational change, career change. And so for me, finding my voice looks like understanding what do I need to thrive? What do I need to be a healthy and whole human being? And I, I want to put this in context for people because I run a business. Right. I also do. I volunteer. I am very active in different, um, you know, mentoring that I do. And so there is no lack of sort of pull on my time. But I will tell you the foundations of me being able to be effective in my work, to be effective in my relationships, to be effective in my health is because I prioritize myself. And I know that people will say, well, I don't have time and prioritizing self looks like a lot of things, but I will tell you, you don't have to do everything that's on that self-help checklist. Yes. Right? You just need to do the things that matter for you. Mm -hmm. They may be very simple, but they need to be consistent and you need to be clear about what they are. And so that is for me actually the space where I find my voice because then it informs how I set boundaries for myself and for others. It informs my yes and it informs my no. So I have a clear anchor for what my yes is, for what my no is. And so when I step into opportunities or when I decide that I will let an opportunity pass, it is because I already know what it takes for me to thrive. What I, and we all have hit this moment, right? When yeah. things are really busy at work, when things are maybe ramping up and you're like feeling like things are a little bit off the rails because your routine is, is a bit off. Mm -hmm. Those are moments when you get to reground, ground back in. What do I need in this season? Yes, I may have to because I am at this level of my company. I may have to come in and do these activities and lead these things. But you cannot live in that place of always go, go, go and more, more, more. And so it's how can I first have my voice by understanding what I need to be healthy, whole and thriving. Right. And then how do I communicate that to others around me, whether it is my peers, my employer or at home? Right. If I need to renegotiate with my family for a season that there are things I won't be able to do that I did before. Right. We've got to be able to find our voice in these spaces. Yeah. And so this is for me has been more the powerful thing. I feel like I'm more effective and I'm more fulfilled when I'm setting these appropriate boundaries for myself. Self-leadership. That's so it. We talk about <laughs> our voice. Self-leadership comes first. Self-leadership. And you talked about thriving, Dr. Fatima, but we also need to know how we thrive. We need to know, you know, what really makes us thrive. Because I'm always talking about reaching our goals, but remaining whole while we get to the goal. You know, we reach our goals and we're unable to enjoy the reaching whatever those goals are, whatever that goal is, and then all of it was for naught. Yeah. You know, this is how I ended up creating the Professional Pathways Planner. Because for several years, I've been coaching with one of my clients. They're at a university, but I was coaching faculty women in STEM. Mm -hmm. And so these are faculty members that are not only 
professors, so they're teachers in the room, and researchers, but they also were clinical staff. So that meant that they were also in either hospitals or uh, practice. They were medical practitioners. So can you imagine? That's like three jobs wrapped in one, right? And and that that is not uncommon. Right. That is not uncommon. And they're also training residents and everything else. So you can imagine how full this is for them, what their days look like, what their life looks like. They also are partners. They have children. Right. There's all of these things that are happening. And so where the professional pathways planner came from was me trying to devise a bit of a more streamlined system for these women and others like them, men and women who manage um, multiple large responsibilities, mm-hmm. right? To actually look holistically at their lives when they're planning. And so we came up with a, a formula like the life of life domain. Mm-hmm. And so there's seven areas for my academic people, but five for kind of the general public of leaders around these five areas are what's needed for your holistic success. And I will tell you the one that surprises people the most is I do every, we go everywhere from the professional to your network, to your finances, to um, then when we hit well-being, people have a really hard time getting there because they can see how to, okay, networking works, um, you know, professional and thinking about my career works. But now you're asking me to also put into my life's pie well-being. Yeah. Right. You're you're asking. You're pushing me to the limits of considering myself as a full person who needs not just the professional relationships and networking, but my familial and my colleagues and my friends and right my neighbors, my community. So I say this to say I, I am with you on this whole life approach mm-hmm. um, to planning and goal setting. And that was definitely the impetus for behind the professional pathways planner. And then after that, the, the annual retreat that we do every year to help leaders plan. Wonderful. And how you describe it, my, my visual I got is that it's almost like um, we may think of well-being as that soft skill that, that companies yes. and, and groups don't always think is needed. It's the yes. hard skills that we think about, but not the soft skills. That's what well-being. That's how we. That's how we tend to think of well-being. But that's a hard skill. And I will tell you this. That's why we're seeing the great reevaluation, or as mm-hmm. others are calling the great resignation. Mm-hmm. That's why we're seeing burnout at ridiculous levels because we have not considered ourselves as holistic beings. A lot of the research on productivity and the things that we're reading about goal setting and habit setting comes out of frameworks that are from, and I'm, I'm not going to get too deep in this because I can really go nerd out in my anthropology PhD, but it comes from our ideas of production, mm. right? Productivity, ideas about production. And in the U.S., those ideas around production are definitely based in our industrial revolution. Yes, keep putting out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is also about machines. We are mm-hmm. not machines. So we've got to rethink, and that's what my work, my body of work has really been building me to the space of rethinking and disrupting this idea of production and productivity, to think about results and progress, to think about the whole organization as an organism, as something that needs good life flowing through it. The way I like to put it is I want to work with people who want to build well and be well. Mm. 
together. You just peeked into a project I'm working on, redefining success. Um, and it's all of that in that particular project uh, is going back to our well-being. That is the nucleus. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. Yeah, because if we're not well, we can't do the work. Absolutely. And if we are doing the work, we're not fulfilled. <laughs> mm -hmm. We are doing the work, we're not fulfilled. That's redefining success. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Dr. Fatima, I'm going to ask you to give us any last words of advice that you like to share with the listeners of When Women Speak? One of the key pieces of advice that I have is to remind anyone who's listening, and especially the women who are listening, to trust you. Trust yourself. Sometimes our voice doesn't come to the table or we don't bring it to the table because we don't always trust what we have to say. It might not sound like your colleague's way of saying it. It may not be structured the same way someone else does it, but I guarantee you it came to you for a reason. Now, it's important to have the savvy and discernment about how to share what you know or share your perspective, but the foundation of that is the confidence to actually trust yourself, to trust yourself and your voice and your perspective. With that trust, you can always work with how do I get this out and how do I kind of be more effective with it? You probably already are effective with it, but the trusting of yourself is how you're going to move through from the voicelessness and from the frustration of feeling like even when your voice is present, it's not being heard. Trust yourself. That supersedes, I need confidence in myself, listeners. Right. Trust. It's already in you. It's already there. You just have to tap into the you that's in you. <sighs> I enjoyed this conversation and I really wish that we can go on and on and on, but we respect the time frame of our listeners. You got a lot of nuggets here. This is a replay worthy episode. And this has been another episode of When Women Speak with Dr. Fatima Williams. Dr. Fatima, how do, how do, how do the listeners contact you? Where are you? Where do they find you? Yeah, one of the best ways to find me is on LinkedIn. So that's on LinkedIn, Fatima Williams or Fatima PhD. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of When Women Speak, sponsored by Life on Power and the brand, What If She Knew She Was Powerful. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.